Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to This is Orlando with Rob Cole. Greetings once again, everybody, and welcome to This is Orlando, or let me say, episode two of This is Orlando Corner Office, sponsored by Highland. Corner Office is our series where we chat with executives here in the Orlando area, get their take on what's happening here in Orlando, as well as um, hear a little bit about their business. Um, I'll introduce our guest in just a second, but as always, I want to shout out to the Orlando Game Space for uh, putting up with us and giving us a space to um, spread out and record these episodes. Thank you also to Carlos Ivan for all the great audio work that he does. Um, with me today is Rachel Dobbs from Highland, our co-host co here and our sponsor for Corner Office. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me, Rob. Yep, I love doing this series. It's been so much fun reaching out to business owners in the Orlando area and kind of hearing the behind the scenes of what makes Orlando such a great and thriving place to be. Highland is proud to sponsor this episode of Corner Office with This is Orlando. At Highland, we're not just insurance people, we're your people. Highland offers a full suite of insurance products from employee benefits to commercial insurance to private wealth management. And our goal at Highland is to aim to help you spend less time worrying about insurance and risk management and more time thinking about what will make you successful. And that's what a partner does who has your back. So we're so proud today to partner with This is Orlando on the Corner Office series. Absolutely. And I think uh, we, we've got a home run here today. Um, our guest who's sitting here with us, I'll go ahead and introduce now. Um, I want to introduce uh, Sunira Madani from Fat Merchant. And welcome, Sunira. Thank you so much, Rob and Rachel, for having me today. This is going to be so great. Um, I'm so excited to also be here at the Orlando Game Space. I mean, this is so special to see Orlando continually evolve and uh, see spaces like this that that showcase uh, the thriving startup culture that we have and the technology disruption that lives right here in our city. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more, and I think we're pretty fortunate to be able to record here on a regular basis. Now, um, I want to start us off with, you know, I think the majority of our listeners out there know what Fat Merchant is. <laughs> um, you, uh, you're the toast of the town here in Orlando for, for obvious reasons, but for those few that may not know what Fat Merchant is and all about, can you just give us a quick recap? Absolutely. It's never, it's still so humbling when people say that. I have the biggest smile on my face right now <laughs> uh, for those that can't hear it. Uh, but it is, it's, it's crazy five years ago that this company was not in existence. And now, uh, you know, it's exciting to see how fast and far we've grown. So for those that don't know, Fat Merchant. So Fat Merchant is a subscription-based payment processor. So we are a payment technology company. And what we do is provide uh, a payment platform and credit card processing to small to medium-sized businesses across the U.S. 
So what does that mean? Uh, it's 2019 and businesses need to be able to accept credit cards um, in a multitude of ways. We've gone completely cashless as a society. And it's not the same as it was even 10 years ago. There's a lot of disruption in payments happening. And Fat Merchant was one of the pioneers um, in disruption in payments. And we've been recognized as a top five processor nationally now, um, you know, compared against Stripe, Square, PayPal, and the the big, you know, the big legacy players. Uh, and so it's really exciting. But what we do is provide businesses tools to accept payments. So whether that be point of sale, terminal, mobile, e-com, invoicing, recurring billing, there's a million ways to take a payment. And in 2019, business owners need to be able to accept it in many different ways. So Previously, it would just be a you know a point a little terminal at a cupcake shop, but it's not that anymore. And they need to have invoicing, and they need to, they have catering orders, and they're using their QuickBooks. But payment processors over the last decade, they've done what they've done well is just focus on one area in which way to accept payments. But the disconnection that we really found in the market was the fact that nobody was tying each of the ways that they're accepting payments into a single platform. And so let's take. Uh, you know, a dentist office. He accepts payments. He needs copays with a terminal, and then you come in for your dental work, and it's going to be thousand um, dollars for your dental work. So you put a deposit down. He sends you an invoice, and then you want to pay that deposit. Uh, you want to pay that invoice through two two transactions, and then your insurance is going to cover the rest of it. Well, that's actually four different ways that that dentist has to be able to collect that payment, and so. He had four different processors. He had a Bank of America terminal. He had a Square mobile point of sale. He's using QuickBooks for his invoicing, and then he's using Authorize.net for the backend uh, web-hosted payments. And there's not one place for him to go to actually see the aggregate view of his payments. And also, he's got four different vendors, four different sets of fees, right. uh, and not one place really to, to see the health of his business. And that's where Fat Merchant really caused a disruption in the space where we were able to, to integrate with or replace all the which ways that he takes payments. So we can replace that, that countertop terminal, but then integrate with his QuickBooks and invoicing, integrate with his ERP dental software system that he's using through our API. And now he can log on to Fat Merchant dashboard and holistically see all the transactions and everything talks to each other. So once he takes that transaction through that terminal, he, that that card information is tokenized, and then um, you know he can do that invoicing without have you having to come back in to to uh, pay that payment online or anything like that. And it's all secure, and all into a single aggregate platform. And so that's truly where the evolution of Fat Merchant has evolved over the last five years. Um, and then of course our claim to fame: we're the first subscription-based processor. So that is what truly made. Um, Fat Merchant, uh, disruptive and super famous was because we're co we're coined as a Netflix of credit card processing. Nice. Whereas uh, you know other processors, they make percentages um, on top of direct costs. So they'll loop in. It'll be like three and a half percent for your for your credit card processing. But there's a there's a delta, uh, roughly about one percent, which may not seem like a lot to um, some v listeners out there, but to a small business, if you're processing hundred thousand dollars annually that 1% is directly to your bottom line. And so how Fat Merchant um, charges is we're one of the only processors, um, we were the first to do a subscription-based model where it's an all-you-can-eat model so you can process as much as you want. 
um, in your tier. So you pay that subscription and you don't have to worry about all the nickel and diming and the, the various percentage markups. And you just pay that true direct cost of that transaction. So we actually end up saving businesses 30 to 40% wow. on their processing fees. So That's fantastic. that is what fat merchant does. Uh, and, uh, we've, uh, you know, we've grown quite significantly, which so I'm you sure were just, we'll talk about. Yeah, you were just mentioning that uh, you're over 100 employees now. Oh, my God, yes. We just crossed that mark. <laughs> and and so. I congratulated you, and you <laughs> yeah. said, well, I don't know. Is that really congratulations? <laughs> it's like, I know it's kind of a headache, but... Is that worth celebrating? No, it definitely yeah. is worth celebrating. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's 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 really, it's such a journey, I, I swear. People think, and in five years, it feels like... I have felt every single day of these five years. And so it feels like forever. But at the same time, when you really count how fast how fast it was, it's only been five years to see yeah. this insane growth. But um, yeah, we launched in 2014 and we we just we we were really good about marketing and sharing our story. I think that was truly something that the reason why many people know Fat Merchant and in Orlando and they know me personally is because I was out at every networking event. I yeah. was on every yeah. stage. I was applying to every pitch competition. I was in every accelerator. I was involved in the community. And at that time, Orlando was trying to identify itself into what's next in tech. And so we became a big part of that because we wanted to see that succeed for Orlando and for us selfishly yeah. as well. Sure, yeah. sure. And Sandra, you talk yeah. about being a disruptor in the marketplace, and you're so good and passionate about telling the story of Fat Merchant, and I love that. But let me brag on you a little bit and kind of the trajectory of oh, Fat boy. Merchant, because I know Orlando <laughs> loves to brag on you. But like you said, founded in 2014, and you grew to a number 217 of Inc.'s 5,000 list, which is amazing. Yes, yeah, so um, we made Inc. We're in the top 10% of the Inc. 5,000 list this last awesome. year. So, wow. yeah, that was that was crazy. Yeah, that absolutely. Um, also, you were um, the most influential woman in payments for 2018, which is a huge honor, as well as CEO of the year from the Orlando Business Journal. And this year, you were part of the Winning Women by Ernst & Young, which is a really competitive competition and absolutely amazing. Yes, it is. It's so, it is still so humbling. Like, I kid you not, we, we have won a lot of things. And I know sometimes I feel like, man, do people, people are probably like, oh my God, like stop winning shit. <laughs> <laughs> But we do. If we, that's your biggest problem. Yeah, yeah no, really. Yeah. High class problems. Yeah, absolutely. No, awesome. You know what it is? It's, and I tell our, you know, our, we have an incredible PR firm too that helps support and our marketing team that supports all these initiatives. But it really does. Our, our goal is to, it's not about just getting another accolade and, you know, saying, oh, we're, you know, we're cool. We're cool now. Or we've gotten to like national levels. It's really about showcasing and having that story come from Orlando, truly. Like, people mm. are shocked when we're in a room and it's like, wait, where's, where are you headquartered? In Orlando. What's in Orlando? And they they don't believe that there's there's great innovation, startup yeah. culture, tech, and that companies that are making the top 10% of the fastest growing companies in the nation can be headquartered and located here and continue to grow. Because that was probably one of the biggest pushbacks that I've received over the years of even when I was successful or am, was successful in raising venture capital, so we've raised twenty million in venture capital, um, and it's like, well, you know, you're going to eventually have to move. Like, you cannot scale at your level in Orlando, and we've continued to prove that wrong. Nice. And so it's so great to be able to um, one have a company that is being recognized on a national level, and then two be able to kind of have this like, yeah, well, you know, you didn't even see they didn't see it coming, and so it really works to to our advantage and. 
um, it's really humbling and we're excited to continue to take it to bigger heights. And, um, yeah, so I can't, I can't name like which one I would say my favorite, um, is the most influential woman in payments. That was, um, a pretty big, uh, title to be given. Um, and the payments industry and the fintech industry is at, you know, it's, it's, it's happening. There is so much there. The space is so hot. And for us to be, um, you know, I go to two conferences every year, Transact and Money 2020, which are the two largest payment conferences. And for us to show up and now everybody knows us, whereas we were nobody five years ago, uh, it's incredible to sit in rooms with Visa, MasterCard, with Verifone, with Stripe, with PayPal, with everyone. And then the executive of Fat Merchant is being recognized as the the most nice. influential. Yeah. Awesome. And so it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. It's, it's a Cinderella story. That's awesome. So it, uh, you talked about, you know, people were doubting, you know, you being able to grow here in Orlando. And, and that makes me think a little bit, you know, because we do have such a great tech scene here. How do you go about sourcing for your talent? I mean, you, there's so much backend stuff that you have to do you know, to make everything talk, you know, all these other payment forms talk to fat merchant and, 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 you know, work together. So tell me, are you, are you having uh, a hard time and easy time sourcing candidates here in Orlando? Yeah, or? it's a, it's, it depends on the week. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely tough. I would say uh, we've been able to do it, but scaling definitely has been, it has been tough. It, it has had its challenges. We do have incredible talent here though. And, we need our talent to kind of come together. So like, this is why I love, I love the space. This is why I love starter studio. This is why I love when the tech, uh, you know, you know, Orlando devs gets together because all the talent is together in one room talking about what's happening. Who's, you know, who's in the market, who's looking for opportunities. Cause it's not, you're not going to find all your talent, um, just through, um, posting a, a job posting online. Right. And so, the best talent that we've had come through the door have come through our networks, have come through our friends, have come through um, our partners and our community. And so I do think that we have an advantage because we are, you know, we're always out and about in the community. And so people know that Fat Merchant and we're still hiring. I think we have 12 to 14 open recs right now across the board from tech, account managers, customer support. We have a full business. Um, and so to operate a full business, you have every position imaginable. There's positions sure. that I was like, I didn't even know that we would have a business analyst. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so uh, we have every position in the company. Um, and so it's, it's, we want we want the best of the best. The challenge really becomes now is um, we do have a lot of junior level talent. Finding that mid level talent is really tough in Orlando, and they're already working for great companies. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. You know, that's where we we have an incredible head of talent. I'm going to give her a shout out right now. PJ, you are absolutely the best ever. She came on board um, about a year and a half ago. It's been almost two years, but she has placed about 50 people in our company. And to do that is, um, wow. it's very difficult. But we do we do um, bring talent in from outside. So we've had a lot of people move from San Francisco. We've had people move from Atlanta. We've had people move from Chicago, from New York. And so we have people that we're relocating to Orlando. And this is why I need Orlando to be cool is because <laughs> I want to bring, this is our home. We're yeah. not going anywhere. We want to stay. And so we want to be able to attract and grow the talent and bring in outside talent as well to make our talent level up as well. Yeah, right. absolutely. Well, I like that. Yeah, and the competition between cost of living, what's the what is it like to have someone from San Francisco say, hey, you might be able to buy a house here. <laughs> you, know? you know, I think, I think that that's where... Um, 
you know, I wish that our, our, our millennial generation, and I'm a, I like to call myself an elder millennial, so I'm, I'm part oh, of too. this, yeah. <laughs> you know, we have this, you know, it's better, the grass is always greener somewhere else. And so, but I think that we discount all the things that we have when we actually, when we sit down and look at it on paper from a cost of living standpoint. I mean, Orlando is, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. From the ability to, to have assets and purchase your home and have a city where there, you know, there's, there's sports and there's, you're an hour from the beach and there's so much, you know, the airport. I mean, people like, you don't like now that I travel so much for work. I appreciate, like, I never appreciated the fact that we have such an international airport that you mm -hmm. can take a direct flight anywhere you want to go. And Orlando is so easily accessible. And so I think all these things, the talent kind of, um, not everyone, you know, but you kind of discount all these things and you're like, great, I have this, you know, like, I want to move to Boston. I want to move to Silicon Valley. I want to move to New York. Uh, but it's going to be fun for, it's different. It's going to be challenging in its own ways for maybe a year or two, but this is, this is where, you know, there's, there's a lot happening here too. And I, I'm really excited to continue to showcase that. Um, and even for our fat merchant talent, um, I want them to be involved in things. I want them to help, you know, grow the city and for us all to be leveling each other up and bringing in all this outside incredible people here because we do have it. I mean, I was with Tim Giuliani yesterday, uh, president of the Orlando Economic Partnership, and we were, he was, you know, we're going through some stats. And from a population standpoint, uh, I think we double every 10 years. I mean, the amount yeah. of people that are moving to Orlando is insane. So the opportunities that we have are just incredible. And I, I'd rather be somewhere where we're movers and shakers and building mm -hmm. uh, than be noise. Yeah. You know, part of the noise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to fast forward, rewind a little bit and talk about the early days of Fat Merchant. Okay. So you've been very open about telling the Fat Merchant story and just kind of the trajectory to what brought you where you are today. But it seems like one of the catalyst moments was the Fast Company article that came yes. out in 2014. So Fast Company calls and says, we'd like to do a write-up on you, take a phone interview, and then the next morning you wake up and Fat Merchant is... Front page Fast Company. Exactly, yeah. It, we did not expect that. I don't even know what I was thinking when I did that interview or like how I discounted the fact well, my, that my was question, Yeah, my question for you is, if you could talk to 2014 Sunira before taking that phone call, what would you tell her? Oh my goodness, that's a great run, question. Run, <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're creating a monster. <laughs> no, um... Just keep going is what I would tell her. Like, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. I would not change one thing. There's yeah. so many mistakes that I've made along the way. But because of each of those, every single decision that we made, whether it was good, bad, or great, had led to the next piece of the chapter. And so if we had, if I had gone back and like, wait, I wish I would have changed this thing and changed that lesson, I think our, our, we, I would not be in the position that I am today. Yeah. And I'm really happy in it's the position It's good to that, fail. Just yeah. fail forward. Yeah. Yes, exactly. fail forward. Mm -hmm. So the 2014 Fast Company article was crazy. Um, it was front page Fast Company, meet the woman trying to change the credit card industry. And that article went viral online. And we had just, it was like 20,000 shares from that article itself, not including all of the, wherever it traveled. We had a little tiny office um, in Colab. I don't even know if Colab still exists. No. And Angie built, it was a, it was like one of the only first co-working spaces in huh. Orlando. Um, or in on in downtown, and our I had a, we had like a hundred, hundred and fifty square foot office. It was me, Lindsay, our first hire, Marnie. She was an intern at the time, and 
Kunal, actually, who is like the Orlando um, founder of the Orlando Game Space, Kunal was uh, just one of like just helping just, I don't know, I don't know what Kunal was at that time. Kunal, <laughs> Kunal was like just an advisor. He we had just he was a friend that I met in the community and uh, he was just always around to help. Like truly, he's just such an incredible person um, and just always helping us out on different things. And so there was like this, we had a core small team and then we had a bunch of people that were just helping Fat Merchant. But that article goes up and we had to get, like it was an emergency phone call that I was like, SOS, get over here <laughs> now and bring people. Yeah. yeah. And we had to get phones installed. We had to get like our website. We had a GoDaddy website. Our website crashed. We had no CRM system. We had nothing. Like we were not built for scale. This was yeah. not the plan. Wow. Like we didn't intend for this to happen. Like this was not my plan. I was not looking to build a venture backed company. I was not looking to grow this company to 5 billion in payments, but it happened. And that was our holy shit moment <laughs> of we have something that's really scalable and everything went wrong. But um, it was really fun. It was three weeks of like post-it notes all over that little office wall, <laughs> us calling back customers, people faxing in Doing it old school. Oh, no, yeah. I have the best, like I have the best little videos on my phone um, that from time to time I'll still go back and look at of, of just when things were, it was, we didn't even know what was coming. And so it was really exciting. And that was kind of like one of the most pivotal, like the pivotal moment for the company. Yeah. Uh, and we're like, great, we need to, we need technology. We need internal yeah. tech. We need to go build our internal tech. And the technology that we were selling to customers at that time was all white labeled because we didn't have a tech team. And so we needed to go build that. And that is when we went to Starter Studio. And so that was the, the evolution of that story of like, where do we go get, where do we go get tech help? And so that is when we ended up in the Starter Studio class three, which is like they're now class 10 now or something. Yeah. Uh, and so that is where I ended up meeting our CTO, Jacques, and our lead engineer uh, on the project, Daniel, who is now like head of head of head of technology. So nice. Yeah. So I should probably know this, but how how did you get involved in the payment industry to begin with? I mean, was it just oh. an idea? You saw a need? No, I was or... working in the payments industry. Gotcha. I'm like the classic textbook founder, like <laughs> classic textbook founder working in the industry, saw a need. Um, I was at one point I was, I was a commission only payment sales rep, by the way. So mm. I have come really far, uh, from where I was in my early payment days, but I just learned the industry and I just hated absolutely the way that merchants were treated. I didn't like the way that, um, it was just a commoditized business. It was just, let me see your statement. We'll beat your rates. And it was just undercutting competition to zero yeah. because there was so much variable markup and there just had to be a better way. And at the time, I, there, this is pre-subscription economy. Now, I mean, everyone has a subscription, everything. But this is, this is when subscriptions were not a thing. And so, um, you know, I pitched this idea to my old team at the time saying, hey, I think a flat monthly subscription, just like a one flat fee, will be, will be insane. Like people will gravitate towards this. We're going to have, you know. We're going to be super have to be customer friendly. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. no, but why be transparent? We're making so much margin. Like, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to offer uh, no contract? It was a SaaS based mindset in a very. It was an old industry that nobody had touched for thirty years. So everybody was fat and happy, and hence that's kind of where the fat merchant kind of came about. Yeah. 
Um, and it was just this, it was supposed to be funny and it ended up just, we ended up getting the website and then we never looked back. Um, but it stands for fast, affordable transaction technology. So technology was something that we wanted to be forefront and we wanted it to be fast. We wanted it to be connected. We wanted it to be affordable. Um, and you wanted pad so, merchants wallets. That's the yes, whole goal. And we wanted to make wallets that. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it was. And so. Well, it's cool too. I mean, you're doing something that's, uh, you know, more customer friendly, a little bit more personal and. Did I read on your website that you have like a 99% retention, customer retention rate or yeah, something we like are, that? We are, something just phenomenal. Yes, we have, um, I mean, our NPS score is 70 plus for those that know NPS. That is one of the highest NPSs to get in any industry. I mean, we're at the levels of Tesla and Apple and um, people love the product and love our service. And because of that, we'd have low attrition because customers don't leave because we offer so much value to that to that business. Now we take dumb transactions that even that customer that doesn't want technology and he just wants his terminal, right? He just he's a retail shop and he's taking transactions the same way for 30 years and he just needs something that's gonna take the transaction. But now we can take that transactional data and show it back to him in a way that he could see when his busiest times are. He could see what percentage of his customers are returning versus new customers. He could see how his sales are trending month over month. And without him actually having to lift a finger or buy expensive tech, we're just switching his merchant processing. And so for it's literally a flip of a switch. We're going to save you 30% on your fees, and we're going to give you an incredible user experience like, right. why would you not yeah, want right. that? And you don't have to hire a separate business consultant no. to say, when do I need to have someone for peak season and all of that? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so <laughs> the value's so, there. That's why customers stay. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned your early days as a uh, door-to-door salesperson in yes. the industry. Um, I was looking through your mom boss blog, which I'm a huge fan of, by okay. the way, and I noticed you had a picture of a book by John Bros, who said was one of your sales trainers. Yeah, a book called "I Want to Be in Sales When I Grow Up." Yeah. Now, don't spoil how the book ends because I haven't read it yet. But um, what are some of the things that you learn being in sales, which is really the engine for all business, including Fat Merchant, growing it? I think I always had this stigma of sales when, like, in school, and I wish that I learned earlier on about sales careers, because I don't think that that is something that is taught. I think now people are starting to understand that sales is not just the mentality of a used car salesperson or a physical product kind of sale. Um, And every company needs to have a sales organization. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And sales comes in every different aspect. And it's, it's truly a skill that can be learned. And so people think that you're just a natural salesperson. You may have natural, you may have some, um, characteristics that may lend better towards sales. But I do believe that sales is something that can be taught and it's not the stigma that we view it to be. It's actually, it's, it's personable. It's actually, Oh, I couldn't agree. It's relationships. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Like, that's not, I'm not sales. I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person who actually cares. Like that's yeah. sales. Exactly. You know what? That my wife and I have this conversation all the time. She's in sales. She does office furnishing and sure. stuff like that. And you know, the thing that she's, what makes her so good at her job is that she cares, she listens, she is there to help that person solve their problem, yeah. not just get a commission. You know, it's not about, I'm going to sell you this because I'll get a bigger payday. It's about what do you need? Let me go ahead and take mm-hmm. care of that for you. Well, you taking know? the time to get to understand the customer and solve their problem and build a relationship yeah, Absolutely. There. I and, mean. Yeah. And, and every business needs that. And there are people that are truly, they're nurturers, right? They want to help. 
And so that is that if like people have that innate characteristic, sales is an incredible career for them. And there's so many different avenues, even within sales cycles and even in sales positions, right? So it's not just the actual end closer. It, there's an, you know, there's BDRs, there's sales operations, there's sales management. There's so many things that go into it. Um, John Burroughs, who, um, I was on his podcast. That was the last podcast I was on, actually. He's an incredible sales trainer, um, and he has a um, eight-year-old daughter that he wrote that book with and for, teaching her, like, when she sold Girl Scout cookies. And he's a sales trainer, and one of the biggest gaps in sales is that, um, you know, women are not there's – not, there's not a lot of parity, um, you know, for women in sales. And so he, that's one of, like, something that's really important to him, and that's where that came up. Um, but also not a lot of women in tech and <laughs> a lot of women, yeah. um, you know, in these careers. And so I think that we have to start early uh, oh, yeah. from an early age. So uh, I love that he's putting a spotlight on that because I myself am, am in sales and in insurance. And what I get to do is I get to meet great people and build relationships. And often I'm the only woman at the table. There's a, there's a lot of guys in Navy suits. Um, and so I love that there's a spotlight getting put on that. How, how do you guys feel about that though now? I mean, is it it, you know, there's there's so much talk about that and everything yeah. right now. Is it more comfortable for you to be in that position or is it still, you know, yeah. super awkward? Yeah, I'll, I'd love to hear your take on this scenario. But for me, I find it as an asset, quite frankly, because I, I look different than everybody else at the table. And so when I speak up, it is paid more attention to because I don't look like everybody else in the room. Right. Um, right. There's a lot of advantages to being a, a woman in a male-dominated industry. There's a lot of disadvantages and a lot of struggles. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um but yeah, there, there are some key advantages to it as well. I, I agree with you. I think for me, I've never looked at, it's interesting, I've never looked at gender. Like it's not something that I've ever, like my parents have always um, treated me and my brother equally and same opportunities and never held, like I was never held back or been like, I've never felt that because I was a girl. But now that when I like fast forward and look back and I'm like, oh, actually there are things that we do um, train our girls on differently than like how we treat our, and I have two daughters. So I have two daughters and, um, even I have to catch myself. I mean like, Oh my God, you look so pretty. Oh my God, you look this. Or like, we're praying princess and we're doing this. And it's just all these things that we just naturally, um, put around girls versus the boys are tougher and they're in a, you know, from toys that they play with from an early right. age and how we talk to little, Oh, you know, what if a, if a little boy cries, uh, you know, toughen up. Like yeah. it's okay. Like you, you're gonna get dirt on it. Yeah. yeah, and and we it's so we do have uh, psychologically we do. Um, and I don't think it's anyone's fault. It's just how we've been as a society and how society has evolved, um, and how our gender roles have also now, are now evolving. And so I think that there's still lots of work to be done. But I'm not, um, you know, not I'm not a man in a skirt. And so I I do play. You know, I am empathetic and I am um, emotional. Right. I do lead with my heart. And so but those are the things that uh, work really well for a fat merchant. Mm -hmm. And then I also balance that with my team that ensures that I'm not too emotional and I'm not being so, you know, that I'm, I'm checking fact with gut. And so that's where um, my co-founder, my brother, Sal, actually comes in uh, really handy. And him and I have just like this insane chemistry and dynamic as co-founders, um, obviously siblings. Uh, but we actually wrote this piece for Fortune um, that was titled Fact for Scott. And it was exactly that on balancing. Like, you need both. You cannot just have one. So I do think that women bring that to the table, and that should be embraced. And I see the, you know, it's nice that it is being talked about because um, I think it just opens that dialogue. And it doesn't, and I don't think anyone ever, it's not the awkward feeling. It's just 
it's nice having the seat at the table and being accepted at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So uh, subsequently, what advice would you offer young women that are getting out there and getting started right now? Go for it. I mean, you are your only barrier. So I, I actually don't like when women play the woman card to like, well, it's because I'm this or it's no, it's because maybe of your skills, right? Yeah. And your competency. And maybe you're not portraying what you need to portray. So like, let's reflect back on how we need to level ourselves and um, go for it. Like there's nothing stopping us. So let's not let any of our differences or our setbacks or what we view as our setbacks hold us back. We can be anything we want to good, be. Good yeah. point. I, I, I've had clients recently, in fact, that have, uh, you know, they, they have an excuse for everything. Well, it's mm-hmm. just not, they don't do it that way anymore. Or, you know, this is how it is in the industry, which is different than what it was like 10 years ago. And it's like, well, yeah, you're right. That's true. But are you going to let that stop you? you? You still have to put your best foot forward, you know? Absolutely. Too many people are just. If, kinda... if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So you gave a talk at the Money 2020 conference um, yes. on being assertive in fintech. What were, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that session. If you can tell us any of the takeaways that you had in that. Yeah. So that, um, that talk track I did was how to be assertive and get what you want. I actually would love to do that here in Orlando. Um, it was a it was just a little series that I'd put together of just tactical tips and tricks on being assertive. And again, that's that mentality of know your worth, go get what you want and ask for it. Ask for it. We feel that we need to be handed things or that we're so close and that people will notice or it'll just happen, whether that be a promotion, whether that be your next sale, whether that be that client, whether that be the venture funds that you're looking to raise and you just have to go get it and you have to be assertive enough to put yourself right in the front and ask for it and just be assertive about it and say, this is what yeah. I want and this is what I'm going to go get. And you tell yourself that. So you, you set your psyche up that way every day of this is what I'm going to accomplish today. And it's part of like my morning mantra of what I'm going to get done, what's going to take place. And I've already kind of established what my day looks like because I yeah. know what I'm going to go crush. I've already did, did that, done that in my mind. And then when it's actually time to go execute, being assertive and having that confidence, 90% of the time you get, like that is all it takes. It's not even what's the, what the, it's not about the numbers or the project or um, any of the in-betweens and whatever industry you're in and whatever you're trying to go accomplish. If you just have that confidence and you're assertive enough and show that level of competency, confidence, um, grit, like whatever that passion, you will get, you will, you will have that outcome, that outcome that you're looking for. And so that was the premise of that talk. Yeah. Senior, that's a book. I want to read that book. <laughs> well, I like that yep. you said ask for it too. I mean, back yeah. uh, back when I did sales training, that was the number one thing, you know, that yeah. we walked away with. And don't forget to ask for the sale, you know, it's right. like, how many times have Such you been no somewhere and they're just so like, okay, whatever. And Rob, and that's where I want to, it's not just in sales, right? And like, yeah. that's where we always go back to, but it's not, I just ask for it, right? So ask for the, it's not just in sales. What are you looking to accomplish today and, or, or go get it, right? So being assertive doesn't just mean no one's going to hand it to you. You have to go get it like that, that no one's going to hand it to you. And so whatever, I'm trying to find like another example um, that may but relate both to personal this. and professional yes. life. I mean, there's things in your personal relationships that you have to be assertive and you have to say that you need. Even when it comes to balancing work and life, I need help with, I'm a mom and I've got a young one at home. I need my mom to come and help pick up on after school, whatever the case is. If there's things you have to do, 
ask for what you need. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's that letting go of the poor me, right? It's right. it's the letting go of that talk mm-hmm. um, because I've seen that hold a lot of people back. Um, and, you know, something I always say every single place I ever interview, it's I didn't go to CEO school, and that always applies somehow. And that's exactly it. I did not go to CEO school, yet I'm running a multi-million dollar company with 100 employees right now, and we are nationally recognized. I, did, I don't know what I'm – half the time, I don't know – I didn't do this, but I have to be able to show up and know that I trust my team. I trust myself. I'm confident in my product and that I'm going to figure it out and that I'm going to put all the right pieces and tools around me to go get the answers. And it's okay to say, hey, you know what? I don't know enough about this. Let's go learn more about this. Exactly. You know what has impressed me about hearing you talk today is you've, you've mentioned and relied on your team a lot. And I admire that. You know, because there are a lot of people that's kind of, this is what we're going to do, this how we're going to do it, you know. But I think about that meme that, you know, we don't hire people so we can tell them what to do. We hire people so they can tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the answer, yeah, you got to go find it, you know. But a lot of people aren't willing to admit they don't know the answer. Hire smart people and, and don't micromanage them. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, when I'm giving networking talks, it's the same way, you know. When I first started out, I was afraid to ask the questions because I thought it was going to make me look ignorant. And I realize now that you ask the right questions, you actually look a lot more intelligent, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else, Sunira, that you'd like to call attention to what's going on in your life? Um, we talked a little bit about the Mom Boss blog, which yeah. is fantastic. Listeners, you need to subscribe. It's great. Um, so we, I, the it's my Instagram handle. It's called Mom Boss Co. Um, and you can find me on Instagram. I just kind of share my day-to-day of exec life, mom life. Working parent life is uh, it's very difficult. And a shout-out to all my working moms out there um, and for working parents in general, um, it's really difficult to be able to strike that balance between making sure that you're there for your family as well as if you are career-driven and um, entrepreneurial. It's really tough to find time for it all. And so I kind of showcase how I'm able to still, I feel really proud of the fact that I'm a great mom and I don't let my family skip a beat. So even while I grew Fat Merchant over the last five years, I did um, have two children along the way. I, you know, was pregnant while venture fundraising. <laughs> and so I didn't let any of that, again, like it's not even anything in my own head. Like none of that's going to stop. I know I wanted a family and this is the time for us to have a family. So I didn't want to put my family on pause to go pursue my career. And I don't want to put my career on pause to go pursue my family. And it's not easy, but it can be done. So I kind of just share um, my day-to-day to hopefully inspire other other, you know, other working professionals and other working moms and entrepreneurs to go pursue their dreams because I am just like all of you. Like I'm an ordinary person that um, there's, you know, my note, people will argue there's nothing special about me. I'm a normal person that, um, you know, that I just, I know what I want and I try to go put a path in place. And like I said, the team around me is what I'm, I think one of my biggest uh, skills is people. And that has really um, helped bring me to where I am because I'm a yes person and I want to surround myself with the smartest and the best people at all times. And so that's the journey. So you can follow at, at Mom Boss Co. And then hopefully there'll be a blog soon. Um, I have a actual blog that um, I'll write from time to time, but time is it's really limited. And right now, yeah, Fat Merchant bad. is, it's crazy. And so my plate is really full. So I'm trying to find uh, some resources and time to kind of help get that piece of it launched. But 
Um, and then Fat Merchant, you guys can all follow Fat Merchant as well um, on all the social handles. And if you guys are uh, listening and you guys want to be a customer or know of customers, uh, just definitely um, let us know um, that this is from This Is Orlando and, you know, we'll share some fun referral codes and things like that. Um, I think we have like a $200 Amazon referral gift card program. So um, if you guys are listening and want to participate in that, you know, we, we're still we're still humble enough to ask for it. We're still right growing. On. So we're at yeah. 5,000 customers. And we want to be at 25,000. So, um, And we'll know. put all that information when we post uh, the episode at robcoble.org. Awesome. And uh, to to my team that's listening, thank you for all you do. I mean, it's 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 an honor working with all of you guys every single day and the community as well and for all the support that you guys give. And Fat Merchant is just getting started. Wow. Awesome. I'm going to, I got one last question, Rachel, and I want to know if you have any thoughts on the future of what's going on here in Orlando. So I just read this morning that the Central Florida Tech Alliance has disbanded and, um, you know, they're saying that they didn't have a sustainable model for them to be able to keep going. Um, and it had absolutely nothing to do with the tech scene here. We do have probably the most passionate tech scene that here in Orlando, but there's still a lot of hemming and hawing and people not getting this or not getting that. What What's your take on what comes next for the Orlando tech scene? My honest take is for us to get over all the bullshit and come together. And so I think that as a community, we do have that passion, uh, but we need dollars. We need time. We need the right avenues to go actually make this a vision. And I think that organizations like the OEP are doing a fantastic job of, like, they brought the business community together. And I think tech is what's next. So I think we have all the pieces, but they're all fragmented. Yeah. And so I would like to see, and I, I just spoke to um, um, the Sentinel about this this last week on even women in tech of, we need to have broader organizations that the sub-organizations come towards. And so it is a, you know, um, I did like the the vision of the Central Florida Tech Alliance, and it's unfortunate that it's it's no longer here. But I'm sure that was just um, some internal issues versus what it represents for the technology right, community. Right. But we do need a centralized ecosystem to come together, uh, and so I'd like to see that happen. Uh, I, I you know I, I want to take on another project, but I can't. Uh, so I'd like to see some of like the leaders really come together to go build a you know, a single, you know, a single thread, but then also these small threads are important. I think what Jacques is doing right now um, for Jacques, uh, our CTO for Fat Merchant, uh, leading or like Orlando devs. I mean, that group has really come together and they are a specialized, uh, you know, group. I love like OTAB, for, for instance, like that's a great grouping of right. tech and beer together. And so there's a lot of great parts to this. So Orlando's going to have it. It's going to have a story. We just need to see more successful companies. Uh, and so, and for us to do that is uh, pe- we've got to go all in. We've got to get the venture capital. We've And we've got to be able to go outside to go get it. I don't think that our ecosystem here today is going to um, 100% support that because there's just not a lot of capital here. There are a few, you know, a few funds that are doing well, um, but we need to go get outside capital to go be, to have more fat merchants in Orlando. And that's the only way to truly shape and change that story. Nice. I appreciate that answer. And um, there's my uh, header for the article. Get over the bullshit. I like <laughs> it. Yeah. So um, I, I agree with you, though. I think having a centralized location that kind of 
feeds the smaller groups is the way to go because everything is so segregated. You know, you got games over here, you got AR over here, VR, uh, FinTech, you know, everything. There's a hundred different meetups, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, which one do I go to? But why aren't the heads of each of those meetups getting together? Exactly. And, And I think that, you know, I don't know, maybe it has a lot to do with that they don't have the time. Maybe it yeah. has to do with ego. Maybe it has to, you know, people want to do it their way. I don't know. I don't know. know. So we'll have to see. Maybe because no one's asked. Maybe. <laughs> wow. There, my head is about to explode. Yeah, you're probably absolutely right. Nobody's just really taking the time to do it. So, Sunira, thank you so much. You that so was much. This awesome. Was, this was so fun, honestly. This was so great. I love um, I love being here today. This was fantastic. Uh, well, thank you. And um, congratulations thank on you. all the success and good luck moving forward. Um, and, of course, my thanks to Rachel and to Highland for their sponsorship of this episode uh, and for their support of This Is Orlando. Thanks for believing in us and giving us the opportunity to reach some more people through your sponsorship. At Highland, we're not just insurance people, but we're your people. Highland offers a full suite of commercial insurance products from private wealth management to commercial insurance to group benefits. And our strategy is to partner with our client companies to promote their strategy for business growth as well as community involvement, all the while protecting their balance sheet with commercial insurance products and protecting your most important asset, your people, through group employee benefit options. I appreciate everybody's comments and suggestions that have been coming in over the last couple of months. Uh, you can find me at my website, robcobel.org, or you can feel free to email me at rwcobel at gmail.com. And this is Rachel Dobbs with Highland. Thank you so much again for the opportunity to co-host today, as well as for the opportunity to partner on a sponsorship of This is Orlando Corner Office series. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as you can email me directly at rachel.dobbs at highland.com. And Highland is H-Y-L-A-N-T dot com. Once again, Carlos, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you, GameSpace, for having us. Uh, Again, thank you to Rachel. Thank you to Sanira. And that's it for us today. We're out.